Hi, and from the Grio, I'm your co-host, Dr. Christina Greer. And here at What's In It For Us, we're excited to celebrate LGBTQ plus Pride Month. For the entire month of June, we will be featuring brilliant guest co-hosts from the LGBTQ plus community. And today, we have a special guest co-host. Hi, my name is Dr. Misha Mosley. I'm the director of the Black Teacher Project and a stand-up comedian. And you're listening to What's In It For Us. Oh, Misha, I'm so happy to have you here. So we have a lot to discuss today because I wanted to have you on this week to discuss Juneteenth legislation versus the voting rights legislation we have yet to receive. And I also wanted to talk about what happened in Florida with the LGBTQ plus community where there was a car that plowed into some supporters and the connection between that and the constant fear and feelings of being under attack that I think Black LGBTQ plus folks experience on a daily basis. So I just wanted to get your thoughts about some of that really quickly. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Juneteenth legislation, I enjoy a day off. I work hard. I enjoy a day off. What I really need is that voting rights legislation, because on that day off, for example, I could have gone to early voting. Well, you know, at least the day after. And, you know, in terms of what we see, what we saw happening in Florida, just as a Black LGBTQ person, when you feel fear, you don't quite know where it's coming from. Oh, I can't wait to get into this with you. So this and so many other things we will discuss and how it affects Black people. And you all are listening to What's In It For Us. Okay, Misha, so before we get into it, into it, our hot topic for today is your boy, Michael B. Jordan. So I don't know if you saw, but he has decided to start a rum company called Juve, uh, and he's being accused of stealing Caribbean culture uh, because not only is the name trademarked, uh, he mentions Trinidad, but not Tobago. He is this co-founder in a new business with someone who is not Black and not Caribbean. And so folks on social media are claiming that, you know, even though Scott was born in Trinidad, there, there, haven't, there hasn't been like confirmation of that. And folks are not having it. So some of the reactions on Twitter, people are saying, imagine trying to explain what Juve is to someone and they go, oh, the Michael B. Jordan rum, right? And not the sort of the history of this, this celebration. Um, people want to know whether or not Michael B. Jordan has ever stepped foot on Trinidadian soil, yet he has this rum, rum named Juve. Someone's like, please explain. Um, and so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on sort of people are essentially calling Killmonger the colonizer uh, and cultural culturally appropriating something that is not his. You know, I, I have very mixed feelings about this. Um, I understand where folks are coming from. We, we work so hard to connect to and hold on to our culture. At the same time, the other 10 seconds later, on the other side of my mouth, we're talking about the diaspora and how we can all stay connected. And so I think for someone who I, I believe his roots are from the South, I don't know for sure, but we know he's not Trinidadian. As someone who's not from that culture, folks are, are, are going to connect to it in some way. Now his partner, I get where people are critical of that. Sometimes partners like that allow for access, but I feel like the idea that folks are reacting in this way allows us to have a deeper conversation. Mm. Well, it's someone who wrote a book called Black Ethics, you know, and I'm constantly trying to figure out the ways that Black folks from the Caribbean, from the continent of Africa, all 54 countries 
can come together and have substantive coalition building, I'm torn as well, because on the one hand, it does feel like Black capitalism run amok, right? So it's like, well, if he didn't do it, some non-Black person would have done it. So at least a Black person's making money, question mark. But at the same time, I, I think I'd feel better if folks who are from Trinidad and Tobago, like we have to also, you know, I think a lot of times we just say Trinidad, like Trinidad and Tobago had some sort of input. Well, here's here's what, we can't change what he's done. So let's pay attention to what he does now because there's an opportunity here in this conversation. There's an opportunity. Maybe you partner with some folks locally, right? Maybe there's a percentage that's going to local public, like infrastructure. Education, roads, whatever it may be. There are some things that you can do given that this has come to light. And I think with the outcry, have a critique, but also what do you want? So I think, you know, while you have the critique, but also have some ideas so that we can strike a balance. Because I think this is something that can be right. You know, you can, you can write this. Well, I mean, you're such an educator. Shout out to the Black Future Project. Because I, there is, there's sort of, there's critique with movement. So if we are going to critique this, so what are we asking of you, Michael B. Jordan? Which means not we have yeah. to say, get rid of the rum company, but what are you going to do to contribute to the larger conversation Trinidad, Tobago, and Juve, and the large, long history of Black people and celebration and triumph and struggle. I love it. I love you. You're listening to What's In It For Us, and we'll still we'll keep thinking about how we can figure out what's in it for us in these complex conversations about Black people and the diaspora. Okay, Misha, so the title of this episode really should be Conflicted Feelings because I want to talk to you about Juneteenth and the subsequent legislation. I feel like we talked about it on a Wednesday. They signed legislation on a Thursday. Folks were off of work on a Friday. And on the one hand, okay, I feel like some Black people have celebrated Juneteenth. Some Black people knew about Juneteenth. But by and large, it is not one of our larger holidays. I just felt like last year it came up as a big holiday because white folks were worried that we were going to burn down this country June 19th of 2020. So all of a sudden it's all these corporations celebrating Juneteenth and, oh, what an important, uh, you know, historical event that we need to discuss, but never contextualize, just discuss it. So I just feel like it's a little symbolic and I understand that there's room for symbolism, but I want substantive voting rights legislation. I want substantive policing legislation. I want substantive anti-lynching legislation because we know it's still happening. And this feels like we're celebrating some crumbs and I want a loaf of bread. Listen, I want bread and I want, you know, I might want some butter. I might want some almond butter. I might, I might want to own the bakery as, as mayoral candidate Ray McGuire says, right? Like I don't want yeah. this quick act. And the fact that Republicans are so quick to sign it lets me know something ain't right in the buttermilk. Exactly. And, as an educator, one of the one of our reactions to this is that um, it's sitting in the context of an attack on critical race theory. So yeah. simultaneously, you're saying y'all get the day off, y'all being everybody, but don't actually talk about the implications of why folks didn't know that slavery so-called ended. Why did it take two years to reach Galveston, right? And what are the implications for how we understand race in this country. And so to, to, on the one hand, again, it's a, 
you know, it's conflicted feelings because people talk at the side of both necks, right? It's like, on the one hand, here's Juneteenth, but on the other hand, don't teach the truth about the legacy of racism in this country and how it operates today. And so that, from an education standpoint, is really challenging, especially if you're trying to explain things to younger children mm-hmm. who are really trying to make sense of race in this moment. Well, I feel like Republicans don't want to talk about the history and also the legacy. Like, they don't even want to start with, you know, it's like, let's just sign this legislation. It's like, no, no, no. Let's actually talk about what U.S. chattel slavery was. But I also, you mentioned something that I think is really important. Folks are getting a day off. And what I saw, you know, in some of the critiques of the legislation is not everybody gets a day off. So how do we feel? And we know that, you know, it's a federal holiday. So, yes, people at the post office, which by and large are African-American, fine. Those folks will get the day off. But there are going to be a lot of African-Americans who are working on Juneteenth to support people who have the day off. And we know because of capitalism, it's going to be the Juneteenth mattress sale and the Juneteenth, you know, shoe sale and the Juneteenth sale on whatever it is at the grocery store. And what do we get? Okay, I have to just tell this quick story. Juneteenth, I'm at Lincoln Center for Juneteenth celebration, right? I'm in line. These two white women cut me in line. Now, I'm not trying to act like I'm 12, but why are you cutting the line? She puts her hand on my shoulder, clearly keep six feet, signs everywhere. We're all masked. She touches my shoulder, uh, sorry, and then is like looking at the menu and then continues to stand in line. And I'm watching it unfold. And I'm like, it is Juneteenth today. You have a day off and you just going to, first of all, don't touch me because six feet, right? We're still in the middle of a global pandemic, by the way. The the full context of being at a Juneteenth celebration as a white person to say sorry because you know what you did was wrong and then to proceed. And for me to have to go through the changes of like, don't show your entire behind at Lincoln Center. Not now. But it's also your celebration day. It's supposed to be my day. rendered invisible. And so I gave her a little education in the Dr. Mosley form, but she needed Misha from Flatbush, but I gave her Dr. Mosley and walked away. And it was just this moment of, oh, wow, here's an example of folks just moving out the box, just moving out the box, just not really getting what the moment is. And legislation can help us do that. Right. But I just feel like, you know, there's always a place for symbolism, right? Because we've seen how symbolism can move into policy. We saw that with apartheid symbolism. So we've seen symbolic conversations move the needle but this one just feels wrong to me, especially in light of what you've mentioned with critical race theory under attack, which, I mean, no one's teaching that K through 12, let's be real. And also when we have all this other really important substantive legislation that's been on the table and folks have been fighting for it, especially in the past 12 to 24 months, saying we must get this under control. If we don't get our voting rights under control, the future of our democracy is in peril, right? If we don't get policing under control, the future of Black people is in peril. So thank you for the legislation, but what does that have to do with democracy in peril for Black people? So here's what I'll offer. It has not, it, that, it's not going to help that. What I think it can open the door to is recognition. If you tell that story accurately, the recognition of what happened and what is continuing to happen relative to racism in this country What is needed in all of these pieces of legislation is the aspect of truth and reconciliation. We have to start telling the truth of what has happened. So I started my career as a history teacher. We are so ahistorical in this country. This legislation, this Juneteenth holiday, does at least open the door 
I didn't grow up as someone in Brooklyn learning about Juneteenth. I learned about Juneteenth much later in life. There are children who will understand at least this story. That can get us on the road. It's not enough, it's not the same, but I would rather young people know the story of Juneteenth than not. It's a both and, no Juneteenth and voting rights. Doesn't have to be or. I think I worry that folks will have Juneteenth off and not know the story. Now, I don't tend to be pessimistic. I tend to lean towards optimism, but I really do hope you are correct and I am incorrect. So I also then, because it is Pride Month and I want to sort of link kind of this idea of Blackness and our LGBTQ plus Black folks who are part of our community. And we, I want to celebrate folks this, this month. This is why every co-host this month has been a member of a Black LGBTQ plus representative who's brilliant and charming and smart and all the things. But, you know, this story out of Florida unsettled me because, you know, there's a, there's a question as to whether or not uh, in South Florida, when a fellow uh, motorist plowed into a pride parade, uh, he's 77 years old, uh, no charges have been filed, there's an ongoing investigation. He's essentially saying, I was old and I ran into this parade and it, it wasn't a hate crime, I just, I shouldn't have been behind the wheel. But it did, because it was Florida, of course, the first thing I thought of was the Pulse nightclub massacre. And that really, really concerned me. And that was from what, 2016. And just this constant threat that I feel Black people feel living in this country, the constant threat that many members of the LGBTQ plus community feel, not all, many, because we know that some have can use race and gender and class in ways to sort of exempt themselves. But the confluence of Black LGBTQ plus members, when they gather, we know that the Pulse nightclub shooting was a targeted shooting uh, because of the Black and Latinx folks who frequented the nightclub. And so whether this was intentional or a hate crime or not, it really did upset my spirit thinking about this in the context of Pride Month and the dangers that so many LGBTQ plus people still feel. Black trans women, LGBTQ plus youth. Obviously, we know that there are organizations that are trying to assist them uh, in all of how they navigate this world. And so I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on when you read that story, did you have the sort of same visceral reaction or I just want to know kind of what, where your mind went immediately when you read that. Why we need to teach critical race theory in schools is so that folks understand what it is. And when Kimberly Crenshaw is talking about intersectionality as, as, as you know, people talk about intersectionality and leave it at the multiple identities. But what she's talking about is the unique oppression that is created, the unique uh, form of oppression that's created by those mix of identities. I can be at pride and experience racism in ways that I'm like, man, I can't even be proud today, right? I can be at a Juneteenth celebration and experience homophobia. And what I appreciate about this moment of 2021, first of all, I curate my bubbles. I live in my bubbles. Don't, don't disturb my peace. I'm like, you know what? My ancestors fought so I not have you work my nerves. That's the beauty of COVID, how we've created pods very deliberately. And I think some people haven't made the cut. We've had to trim the fat. And we've also added people into the bubble and the pod where it's like, hey, you know what? You belong here. And, and in these moments where that pod, where those things are threatened, you don't know where it's coming from. So the knee-jerk reaction of there was a car accident, someone plowed into someone, at an LGBTQ event, 
we live in a country where your default is, is going to be, oh, this is a problem. Oh, this was intentional. Your default is not, it's an accident, right? And so for me, when I think about pride, you know, so there's, there's pride, corporate sponsored pride, there's black pride. Black pride has been this beautiful oasis in many ways. And there's always an undercurrent of fear because we know when too many black people gather, folks antenna go up, right? And then we're just being our full queer selves, right? So when I hear things like this, I wonder, will young people who are fighting to really talk about the intersections, who are fighting to get rid of many of the boxes that we've created, will they be able to celebrate freely without fear of, are you attacking me for this identity or this identity or both? I, I think that that's really powerful. And I think there's so many organizations that are trying to help alleviate some of that fear. Um, there was an organization called Fierce out of New York that was you know, catering to LGBTQ plus youth of color. Um, I wanted to sort of play this clip really quickly because we know that you know, just yesterday, uh, an NFL current player, Raiders player, Carl Nassib announced that he's gay. He's the first uh, openly gay football player who is in the league. Uh, we've, we've had people come out sort of once they've retired or they've been cut and then they, they came out. But I wanted to play this clip from Carl Nassib and just get your brief reaction. What's up, people? I'm Carl Nassib. I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. Um, I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Um, but until then, you know, I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. And I'm going to start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. They're an incredible organization. They're the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America. And they're truly doing incredible things. And I'm very excited to be a part of it to help in any way that I can. And I'm really pumped to see what the future holds. Uh, that's all I have for you guys. I hope you have a great day. Work hard. So, Misha, we know Carl Seed just came out. We'll see how the league treats him as the season gets started. But I thought what was really powerful and important, uh, not just about his coming out video, was the fact that he put $100,000. So he put his money where his mouth is. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts on what other allies and accomplices and advocates can do to support um, LGBTQ plus youth, especially during the month of pride. Absolutely, is find out about your local organizations. Talk to your local schools. So one of the things, I just wanna make some connections is that when we think about LGBTQ youth, one of the uh, safest places and most dangerous places for them can be school. And so when you're in an environment where even the mentioning of pride puts you at risk, right? When you think about your tax dollars going to public schools, We've got to make sure that our schools are keeping young folks safe, all young folks safe, and especially LGBTQ young folks safe. Um, nonprofits, programs that are, are local to the community that are supporting LGBTQ parents raising their children, all of these are great places to donate. And I would say not just money, but time. Donate resources. Maybe those LGBTQ youth could use an internship, 
right? Where they can be their full selves. So what do you have going on at your work? Thinking of creative ways, because sometimes people want to donate money and what folks need are examples of adults who love them, who care about them, who will uh, contribute to their well-being and growth. So I just want to encourage folks that I think the celebrity nature, obviously the way capitalism works, the financial contributions are important, but we've got to, when it comes to really honoring all of our identities, and as a Black queer person, what has allowed me to be at the point in I, that I am in my life is to have a diverse group of people who love me for all of who I am. And that's been true for me since I've come out at the age of 18. So I think the more that we can do that for young people in multiple ways, that's when we'll start to see where Carl's right. And it isn't spectacular in however many years. But right now, it's the separation. It's this lack of real relationship building, not just saying the politically correct thing, but actual relationships. You know, that lack of that is what's limiting our possibilities. Oh, Dr. Misha Mosley, I just adore you so much. And I can't thank you enough for joining us on What's In It For Us. Can you please, please tell us what's next for you? What's next for me is continuing to do some important work with the Black Teacher Project and um, really supporting the leadership of Black teachers, shifting schools to be more equitable places. Um, it's also an opportunity for me this time to get back on the stage in comedy. So I'm excited uh, to to tell all these jokes about what's been going on in this last year. So, you know, between blackteacherproject.org and mishamosley.com, all the information's there. And I'm excited, excited to share the good well, news. I love blackteacherproject.org. I love the fact that you support black teachers in and out of the classroom. We need so many more black teachers. And so if you are a black teacher or you know a black teacher or you love a black teacher, please direct them to blackteacher.org. I can't thank you enough, Dr. Misha Mosley comedian extraordinaire and founder of the Black Teacher Project for coming on What's In It For Us. Please promise me you'll come back. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to What's In It For Us. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcast at thegrio.com. What's in it for us podcast is brought to you by The Grio, an executive produced by Blue Talusma, and co-produced by Abdul Kadus and Taji Sr. <laughs>